On this week's episode of Carolina Sports Talk, we talk NFL. We've got some NBA scores for you, HBCU football, including a very special interview, and so much more. Let's go! Another all-new episode of Carolina Sports Talk starts now. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Carolina Sports Talk. It's your main man, Big Cliff. As always, thank you for tuning in on your favorite podcast app. Next time, tell your smart speaker, play Carolina Sports Talk. You can hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at Carolina Sports Talk. Or to be a part of the show, email us, cliff at carolinasportstalk.net. You can also join in on the fun in our Carolina Sports Talk Facebook group, Carolina Sports Talk Talks Back. Man, we had a big week in sports Every Carolina Panther fan across the country, across the world, felt like we was going to lose our mind with the big news of the trade. But to talk about that and so much more, welcome back after his 30-year hiatus, my main man and yours, DJ Highstar with me. What's goody, bro? Yeah. What's good? What's good, bro? Dog, you were missed, man. I mean, my, shout out to my dog, Be Easy, from DJ Blaze Radio Show Podcast, filling in with us last week. Uh, he even hit us with a scooby doo bop bop <laughs> in your absence. But uh, you had a good vacation, man. Good trip. Yeah, for sure. Um, was able to check out Howard's homecoming and also University of Maryland at College Park. Hung out up there a little bit as well. Word, word, word. Now, now how different do they do it than than the true South? Because some may still call that South, but nonetheless, we we we'll get them some love. But how 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 different do they do it up there for their homecomings and 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 tailgating activities yeah. and everything i mean howard homecoming is still howard homecoming definitely so there's not much to say about that maryland at college park kind of surprised me um a lot of the black greeks had their own little ecosystem as we normally do at pwis so okay it was like a section where the bros was gathered and the reds and stuff like that so that was cool but overall it was a good weekend man it got me in that in that homecoming mode ready for November 19th and uh then this weekend we got a pretty good homecoming coming up too so yeah man this it's a bunch of good homecomings shout out the homecoming seasons all the HBCUs out there man uh playing all this good football speaking of good football man it was a an amazing week out here in the NFL for games so what you say let's jump into some scores bro yeah let's get it all right, week seven in the NFL started off on a Thursday night game with the Saints falling to the Cardinals 34-42. The Browns took, excuse me, the Browns fell to the Ravens 20-23. Panthers in stunning fashion take care of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 21-3. Bengals over the Falcons 35-17. Cowboys take care of the Detroit Lions 24-6. Giants over the Jaguars, 23-17. The Packers dropped two in a row, falling to the Washington Commanders by a score of 23-21. The Titans take care of the Colts, 19-10. Raiders over the Texans, 38-20. Jets over the Broncos, four, excuse me, 16-9. The Chiefs in a shootout against the 49ers, 44-23. Seahawks over the Chargers, 37-23. 
the Dolphins take care of the Steelers 16-10 in a game that be easy cost me, but we'll talk about that in just a moment. The Bears in Monday Night Football, despite all of the magic of Mr. Zappy, take care of the New England Patriots in Foxborough 33-14. Bro, man, all these games, man, like, where do we begin? Where do we begin? Yeah, a lot of the storylines write themselves, definitely. Um, Bill Belichick, he's got a interesting little scenario out there in New England, up there with his quarterbacks. Um, outside of that, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, is it the end of an era with these guys? Mm. And um, I just wanted to bring up, uh, while I give credit, I wanted to take credit as well. So I do give you credit for the hot take the Aaron Rodgers hot take um, that you that you did. So the part where I'll take credit, though, is <laughs> telling the Panthers fans and Panther Nation not to panic um, and that we hadn't seen any division play yet. So keeping my fingers crossed, but so far the division play, we look all right. A lot to unpack with what you just said. Let, let, let's start with the game that was the most fresh, the Monday night football game against the Bears and the, and the Patriots. For those who may have missed it, the game started off with the Chicago Bears being and exerting some uh, dominance over the Patriots with us quickly jumping out to a lead 10 to nothing. Um, the recently uninjured, if you would, Mac Jones got the start uh, after being injured for the last three weeks. Brian Zappi was, uh, had come in. Started the last three games, got three successful dubs for the team. But, you know, Mac Jones was a first-round pick last year from Alabama. So, nonetheless, it was his team. Could not move the ball, did not move the ball. Zappy comes in, looks like he's got a spark on his first two drives, scores, touchdowns, takes the lead 14-10, to 10, and then goes silent. The Bears exerted their dominance throughout the adjustments over halftime and really just shut down the New England Patriots. There was a point, though, I, I've got to admit, High Star, there was a point throughout this game that when I was watching, I was anticipating in my mind how many different plays on Zappy and Zap and got zapped that I could have come up with uh, thinking about the, how the Patriots were going to win this game. I was going to have my record that much better. And Chicago said, yeah, not so fast. Hold my beer. We, 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 we got something to say about this. Like It's almost as if they did not want Bill Belichick to beat George Hallis's record or to pass him in the all-time standings while they were on the field. And I, I can get that. And so they had something extra to play behind. They had an extra reason to kind of fight a little bit. And so that it, it turned out to be a much better game than anticipated. But you, you're right. There's definitely some decisions to be made. Now, if you are Bill Belichick and have knowing what you know of Bill Belichick and knowing how the Patriots fans can be and even how that stadium erupted and, and was cheering and waiting for Zappy, you start in Zappy or you start in Mac Jones? Um really starting Mac Jones. Um, mm. Another note on the game is the visibility thing as well. It was it's pretty foggy out there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I saw a fan with a doctored up number four jersey in it on the back of it. It said, is Zappy Hour? <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, I would go with the investment. At least you know kind of what you have. Um, Zappy may usurp the backup quarterback's second string position and and have a lock on that perhaps, but nah. Um, there was 
too much of a sample size from Mac Jones last year where he didn't really give um, too much of a a reason to keep him on the bench. He was, you know, had some quality games and stuff like that last year. Yeah, but that's last year. If if we're taking a look at what happened even in, again, that first quarter, he was ineffective. Now, I don't know how much of that was actual play calling. Um, Matt Patricia seemed like he opened it up a little bit more once Zappi came back onto the field or came out onto the field. I don't know how much of that was scripted, how much of that was just a belief in Zappi, but there's something special about the kid. Uh, And it's very much giving Tom Brady uh, (laughs) from back in the day with, you know, coming in, taking all the electricity and going with it. So he's got a track record of going with the hot hand. Now, there were some reports from uh, throughout the game that they anticipated, even though, you know, Matt got to start, Zappi came in, that Zappi would have, you know, been going back out and Mac would have gotten a second chance in the second half. But those who watched the game, no, we did not see him again. And so that is pretty telltale there in itself to me. Now, what, what one of two things is I anticipate happening. Either they will give Mac Jones the start again next week and completely leave him in for the chance to just prove himself, similar to what they gave Zappi in the second half, um, well, second quarter and throughout the second half. Or... It's Zappy show the rest of the way through, man. I mean, I understand that you you invested a first round pick, but it wasn't like they traded up or anything for him. Uh, him being Mac Jones last year, but you go with the hot hand. There's there's a there's something special about the kid that I feel like if given the opportunity to be with the firsts all throughout practice, all throughout the week, and, and really solidify himself as he did throughout those times when Mac Jones was hurt, I fully see him being able to secure that that starting position. Uh, I ain't never been a fan of Mac Jones, and I, I acknowledge that, but Zappy's special, bro. I, I hear you. Uh, what would you say is the difference between that and the Dallas situation? Ability. So, as where Cooper Cup has uh, – it's Cooper Cup. Cooper um, – what is the backup name in – Rush. I'm fresh off of vacation, so I refuse helping you today. Or you don't know either one, but Cooper Rush is a, a guy who is a quality game manager. And and although Dallas was winning, it was more so as a result of the defense and what that defense was doing. And he was just kind of biding and holding the time. They were winning. He wasn't uh, making them lose, but he wasn't also a catalyst in them winning. With the New England situation, it's the other way around. I, I honestly believe. The Zap is more of a gunslinger. He's got a little bit more ability, and he's got that it factor. There's no question that when Dak comes back, or because Dak came back and he was healthy, and all the, though he didn't look the best, they still got the win. That's Dak's team. Dak has the ability. He is heads and shoulders a better quarterback than Cooper Rush. But when you look at it in the New England situation, 62 touchdowns his senior year. Even at Alabama, Mac Jones was a game manager. He was effective, and he he had all of these high, high flying superstars who could like run past a bullet and all of that. But for the most part, he wasn't very dynamic. Although, be it on a second on the a lower level, Zappy showed it. He he has the it factor, and so I I feel like there's a difference with regards to the talent level, and like I said, just that it. And so definitely, it'll be something to keep an eye on, and be you know something for us to watch. Yeah. It's a situation that you. You kind of find yourself in it. It's like, well, you kind of can't can't lose here. You go with the guy who you know can get it, and like you mentioned, proved last year, or you go with the guy who has the it factor and kind of showing some spark and definitely energizing the city. Now, as we take a look at some of, the, go ahead, sorry. 
something else about that game. Wanted to give, um, wanted to show respect and give props to Justin Fields. Um, I mean, he's heard all of the criticism and stuff like that, and he's continued to look from from what it looks like. He's continued to improve week week by week. I want to group him in is kind of impromptu, but in the top five young toughest quarterbacks right now in the league. Um, first of all, the the five and the four, I'll probably put Lamar Jackson. Um, I don't, I'll throw Pat Mahomes in there just because, but the top three is that for me right now is Justin Fields, Josh Allen, and at number one, Justin Herbert. Um, those guys will stay in the pocket and to make their throws and stand up tall and make their throws while they're getting hit and oh, well no I'll, I'll throw joe burrow up to get sacked listen but, um, so I'll, I'll take i'll take pat mahomes out and i'll put so you're wow joe burrow mar jackson um yeah justin fields josh allen and josh herbert as a the my five toughest quarterbacks right now as far as the young breed so I'm a fan of Justin Herbert. I, I, I am. What he's doing with the Chargers is good. If they get him a line that can be consistent and just stay healthy, I think that young man has not even scratched what he has the ability to do. Patrick Mahomes not in your top five is very sus, bro. I can't even. I like. Are you looking at this as potential on where they can go, or are you looking at just ability now, or what, what is what is this kind of? Even looking at ability or anything, bro. I said, like, um, it's the top five toughest to me. So, okay, well, seeing, watching cats get up from crazy hits that, and honestly, an honorable mention is Tua. I mean, we'll get to that, I suppose, but I'm just looking at pure toughness, taking a, a hit right in the in the in the face mask, getting laid out on the grass, and then getting up for the next play like nothing happened. Um, those younger guys are really showing. A lot of resiliency and stuff like that this year. I'm gonna let you get it, and we're gonna ride with it. Now, you, you talked about to he and the Miami Dolphins, man. In uh, I don't even want to call it an upset fashion, but in a little bit of a, I can't even say a stunner because again, I picked them first. And uh, matter of fact, for my dog, be easy, bro. I let this man talk me out of my Dolphins pick and go with his Steelers. But Tua came back. He was able to stay upright. You mentioned it just a moment ago, his toughness. There were several plays where he could have taken a slide, should have probably taken a slide. But to show who he was and that he was, in fact, truly healthy, he he kept on running, didn't slide, delve head first a couple of times, took a couple of hits, got up and, and kept on going. So shout out to him definitely for, for the gritty performance and pulling out this 16-10 win Kenny Pickett, though, showed some, some some flashes as well. He's a young man, young quarterback in the league, first year. I think he is going to be all right. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be all right. He's shown that he has a decision-making that's pretty good. As he learns and, and gets his lumps out, I think he'll be able to be in that conversation along with some of those other ones. I will say this. I'll take him over Justin Fields. I'll take almost everybody over Justin. I, I didn't want to go back to that, but I'm not a believer in him. I like I didn't like him at Ohio State. I'm not gonna tell a lie. I wouldn't have been upset if the Panthers had drafted him, but the inconsistency for me is a little too prevalent. He reminds me of a shorter Cam in a lot of different ways. Dynamic athlete, good decision maker for the most part, 
but still lacks that accuracy, lacks that down the field touch. There were several plays, even in last night's win, where if he puts a little bit of a touch on it, it's a touchdown. It's a completion. Anything that's a rifle it, throw it hard as you can, he, he's on that. Anything that requires a little touch or finesse, and I and I hate to be sounding like I'm hating on the black quarterback, but it, it, he just doesn't have it for me. And I, I think that will ultimately limit what the Chicago Bears are going to be able to do with regards of long-term winning and success. What happened yesterday was inspired. I don't see them being able to sustain with that. But going back to Tua, what did he show you throughout the game against the Steelers to kind of let you know that he's for real and, and, and that the the concussion may not be fully as bad as we think it was? I mean, just just bouncing back in that game, um, like you mentioned it already, a couple uh, opportunities to slide, and he kind of goes into it head first, looking for the first down or the extra yardage and stuff like that. Um, and I think that he sees this season as an opportunity to to uh, make a mark with his legacy, to try to make a playoff run with the, the roster that they have constructed. Um, and to try to do something. So, I, you know, I, it's not too much past resiliency that I see with that young man. Um, you know, praying for, for him and the other players' safety every week because it was pretty scary at the, the you know, of that whole ordeal. And um, and it's just, you know, a couple of weeks later, he looks, he looks like he's, you know, he's ready to rock and roll. So, um, yeah, I mean, just the way that he was finishing runs and, and – um, his toughness with that was really what stood out to me. Definitely. Like it made me think about it just now, the serve pro commercials, like it never even happened. So, uh, bro, shout out the dog. He's definitely out there balling. Uh, another quarterback that was balling and I appreciate him for it, man. In fantasy, Joe Burrow, man, Th- 35 to 17 victory over the Falcons. Now, um, not mad to beat the Falcons. I, I think I picked it. We'll look in a second when we look at, go back to the pick them, but, Joe Burrow looks at every bit of form that he did during their Super Bowl run. Um, when they're able to keep him upright, he is one of the grittiest quarterbacks in the National Football League. I heard uh, Troy Aikman talking about it, and, and, and he's saying how much of an ode to the old school quarterback that he was. Just that rough nose, just, yo, I'm going to go and get it done in that grit. What Build the ideal quarterback for me, if you would. And I know this is putting you on the spot a little bit, but... Do you like a more mobile quarterback? Are you looking for somebody with that grit like him? Are you looking for somebody with like the swag like Cam? If you're a GM and you get to build a quarterback, what attributes are you looking for from your quarterback? A big arm, um, a taller guy physically, and uh, definitely somebody that's mobile or has that pocket presence. You know, they didn't necessarily need Lamar Jackson speed or Kyler Murray speed, but somebody that has that presence to um, to avoid defenders and stuff like that um, in, in those close quarters. But um, from being traumatized with Panther season and our woes at quarterback, I definitely would like to see a tall quarterback and somebody that's got a, a big arm that, that's got a pretty quick release. Definitely, definitely. Now, you mentioned it, the Panthers' woes at quarterback position, but in this past week – wasn't a whole bunch of woes. It was like, whoa. And if you can't, in case you missed it, Mr. Phillip Walker, the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers this past week, went 16 for 22, 177 yards with two 
touchdowns. Now, <clears throat> I'm not gonna name no names. One of us here on this on this here program picked the Carolina Panthers. The other is DJ Highstar. Now, <laughs> with that, what were you kind of expecting from this game that didn't happen? And other than Brady just kind of feeling like he's got too much home problems going on, like what what do you think happened to, to allow the Panthers to t- get this twenty-one to three victory? At home, um, whenever we're playing home games and our defense gives us some momentum, defense and the special teams, um, you know, it, it's it's pretty much, you know, it's, it's anybody's game. Um, I, me and a buddy were talking last week, and they mentioned it was like, you know, um, the Panthers can't win any games if they give up more than 17 points. Or something like that. And I was like, you know, I, I feel exactly where you're coming from. So the games that we're able to keep close and low scoring, especially when we're at home, mm-hmm. we have a, always have a high chance of closing it out with me. Um, you would call it hedging or whatnot. It was, again, it was a, a situation where it was going to be a win-win regardless for me. So mm. I, I, I went with what I went with and okay. The Panthers won. Okay, great. You know what I mean? And uh, I mean, it was everything. The writing was on the wall. So w- with the Christian McCaffrey acquisition out in, in San Francisco, along with the whole Robbie Anderson debacle and our quarterback situation, it was an easy choice for me to select the Buccaneers. But those are, those are the ones that normally get you week to week. Yeah, and, and, and I think you're right. It, it, it's definitely it, – it seemed like a trap game. One of the things that I hate about when we pick is that we pick early in the week. And so – a lot happens. For those of you who may have missed it, Christian McCaffrey, um, former running back for the Carolina Panthers, was traded, if I'm not mistaken, just after or during Thursday night football to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, big deal for the 49ers in that the Carolina Panthers receive a second, third, and fourth round pick in the 2023 draft, along with a fifth round pick in the 2024 draft. So, Substantial gain and comeback. It seems like a, a, a trade that we definitely won. It got a lot of people nervous and scared about whether or not they were going to start having a, a fire sale. I'm glad to say that you know there have been reports that uh, one team offered at least two first rounders for Brian Burns and Scott Federer declined. Um, they're the they're saving some of what they call the building block players. Um, I'm glad to hear it, dog, because it just means that we're not going to have a bear cupboard when the next season starts. There's going to be some of those guys still there. Now, if we're talking, if I'm being frank and I'm being transparent, I did not like the fact that we won this game this week. Um, I'm not one of the ones that is disillusioned that we have some type of chance path or outside miracle of making a crazy playoff run and who knows? We might shock. No, 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 not happening. Now we shocked the world to this week as I, you know, proclaimed or whatnot. <laughs> but ultimately, I don't see us making any noise in the playoffs. Now, I know I know your argument has been, hey, win your division games and you'll go from there. Because ultimately, at this point, we're two and five, but we're two and oh in the division. Do you think that winning or being undefeated in the division and not making a playoffs, or whatever, and or sneaking into the playoffs and then when losing ultimately pretty early and losing all on some of those higher draft picks is a better fit or would you rather see them kind of just tank and just pack it up and mail it in this year? 
no, I'm I'm always against tanking and stuff. So I definitely want to see them compete. Um, so many different scenarios. So I hate like drawing them up in my head like that. But um, yeah, I, I honestly want to see them compete all the way through. Granted, there's different ways to tank, right? So like you've got um, player-led tanking where it's just you've got your stars on the field and they're just literally, you know, whatever, mailing it in. And you've got like a coach-led type of tanking where it's like, all right, I'm going to sit this guy and this guy and this guy for this week. So mm-hmm. even the people that paid to see these people come out, paid your hundreds of dollars which in your football tickets and stuff like that, you don't get the pleasure of seeing some of your favorite players and stuff like that. So, I, again, it gets kind of, yeah. And then we all know what kind of soap opera the NFL is. So they got plenty of, you know, little Sway. different things <laughs> yeah. that we don't even know about. But um, ultimately, I would like to still see a good product on the field. I don't want to lose any more fans than we may have already. And you might call them fair weather or like just local, quote unquote, like local implants where they're just like temporary fans and stuff like that. But I think that could lead to losing support and turn us into a running joke where um, for years and years, you know, the Jets um, wanted to ask you, I didn't want to stick too long on football, but that was another one of my football questions regarding the New York teams. Are they for real? Um, of course, we know what Buffalo does, but right. you know, down in the city, the Giants and the Jets are, are you know, doing their thing. But nevertheless, the Jets have been a running joke in the league for however long. The Jaguars, the same thing. And it's just taken up to now. The Jaguars, pretty much last time they were taken seriously to me is with um, Maurice Jones-Drew. Mm-hmm. Um, not even the receiver that they had picked um, that one year. Uh first pick and he had gotten trouble uh forget it i know you're talking about the big head fella (laughs) but he got in trouble or whatever like that i think his name is justin justin something but nevertheless they haven't been relevant since like since since the days of maurice jones drew um the jets really haven't been relevant since (laughs) you know mark sanchez gino maybe pretty much right when they were kind of competing in their in their division so we see how long it takes to change the narrative of a team and stuff like that so again we fall into this whole thing because granted 15 we, we was at at our peak um you know cam gets injured 16 17 kind of thugging it 18 19 going to covid colin kaepernick and all of that and then you know last this last year spark in the pan that we showed at the beginning of the season was just um it was it was teasing the fans on what we may be right and the further we get away from that i fear that the more that you know it's likely for us to lose um a considerable amount of fans you you hit on a lot of really good topics and a lot of good points consistency brings and yields consistency now there are some who say well, look, at, I actually had the opportunity to discuss this on uh, NFL radio this past week where I, I tried to defend Carolina Panthers fans. And I said, hey, if you win, we're here. And, and, and they come and they can be able to be consistent. It's the inconsistency. They pivoted and said, well, look at the Cleveland Browns fans who have lost for decades on decades on decades. But it's not synonymous to me simply because that team has always been there. A lot of their loyalty and legacy comes from having lineage of fathers who were there when they were good. 
And so the seeds were planted to be able to say, well, we know that it can happen so that we want to stick around so that when it does, we've been here the whole time. We've been loyal. The Panthers have not had that because from its inception, we had some early success in our second year in the league, making it to the NFC championship, making it to the Super Bowl in 03 or 04, and even, you know, through the 15 season and everything else. But it's never been any sustained with the exception of the 2013, 14 and 15 seasons. Prior to that, we had never won the conference or the division in back-to-back years. So there's not yet been that opportunity for Panthers fans to have that legacy of saying, hey, our team is a consistent winner. Now, to your point with the New York teams, I absolutely believe in not only the, the Buffalo Bills, but I think the Giants are legit and the Jets. And the reason why is because of coaching. They have coaches who have come from other established programs and know what it takes to be able to lead a franchise into the greatness. Now, is it something that's sustainable? That's going to be that's going to remain to be seen. But as far as for this season, I think all three of those teams are legitimate threats in each of their respective conferences and divisions to make some noise, not only through the regular season, but through the place through the postseason as well. The Jets are ridiculous on defense. I think Sauce Gardner is going to be the defensive rookie of the year because the boy is nasty. If you look at the Giants with Saquon having a resurgence, them just playing disciplined ball, even um, uh, the quarterback is playing at a higher level, not making mistakes. And so all three of those teams seem legit. And and I really feel like can make some noise coming through the regular season and postseason. And that's a salute to the coach. And to your point, Um, there was a couple of close games at the beginning of the season. Cowboys. I want to say the Cowboys that the Giants played, but also the Ravens. I remember the Ravens game. Mm-hmm. And when you win close games at the end, the way that they did and in the fashion they did, it's attributed to to your coaching directly. Like and and that that is the, the difference. Like when I watch the second half of a Carolina game, or if it's a close Carolina game, and how we'll give it away versus the Giants this year and and stuff like that. These different teams that have. Or even like the Ravens, they haven't been able to close out games. And they've jumped out to these leads on teams. They haven't been able to close it out. And the way that the Giants have done that, I just, I respect it highly. Mm-hmm. And I have to salute them uh, for, for you know, like you said, it, it goes to the coaching as well. If you look at the Bill Belichick-led team, they always seem like they've got a shot. No matter what the players are on the field. When Of course, when you have Tom Brady, it's one thing. But since even since then, through the two last two years of this rebuild with Tampa, with Tom being down in Tampa, you always feel like a Bill Belichick team has some type of chance to be able to do something and to be relevant and to to fight, no matter the players on the field. Carolina feels like we're the other way around. We have had some dynamic players over the last five years here in Charlotte. And yet still, we've never had that confidence of, Oh yeah, they'll they'll be able to pull it out because that, like you mentioned, that coaching, that 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 culture, that legacy of they can or they will because they've shown that they have. It's not been here, and that's that's why I've leaned so heavily into we need to get a coach who knows and has established and has a track record of being able to produce that. Because with the talent, even with those who remain, Christian McCaffrey was a big loss, but with the with the compensation and picks that we got back, we have an ability and we will have a chance to be able to get players who are good enough to be able to sustain and and play their parts. If you look at the Jets, the Jets got a lot of really good players. 
So much so that when Elijah Wood requested a trade this past week, the Jets said, nah, we're not doing that. Not only are we not trading you, you're inactive for this game. You're going to sit home. Think about why this team is bigger than what you want and what you need, and we'll holler at you next week when it's come times to go ahead and get back to playing and get back to what we want to do and win, win, some th- win some games up here in New York. That is the kind of thing that culture brings, that when your quote-unquote stars or superstars try to get a little bit bigger than the team, they're able to snap back. Now, nobody has it like, you know, <laughs> like Bill in the Patriot way or anything like that. But that's 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 basically what they're trying to establish, where the team is bigger than any individual player. We need that here in Carolina. We need that here in Charlotte to be able to allow these guys to really get the most out of their careers and get the fans what we've been aching and hurting for, man. Like, it's it's time out. And I'm not going to get up back on my soapbox, even though, you know, I feel like I already took one step up. It's time out for all the inconsistency. It's time out for the, hey, well, how can we be marketable and make money? We don't need to win. Miss me with all of it. Win a championship, point blank, period. I so, agree. And I think that speaks to my tone in my email that I sent um, last week where I was referring to Robbie Anderson. I'm not sure if you saw Kyler Murray um, cursing at his coach this past week. Yeah, giving him the business, yeah. Okay, right. So – Situations like that and with Robbie Anderson just being insubordinate, it, uh, it it fights against the culture. It's a cancer against any kind of culture you're looking to build. To me, in my head, I'm thinking what I see, what I see, you know, maybe like say, for instance, a Bill Parcells, we know that he gets fiery. He gets fired up. So maybe there's some kind of exchange, but there's a baseline of respect there. Do would we ever see that somebody cursing Tony uh, Dungy out? I doubt it. Highly. Would you ever see somebody co- uh, cursing Greg Popovich out or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or showing themselves up in front of, uh, you know what I mean? Mike Tomlin or something like that of the world. No, there's certain, there's certain people. And again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to preface it with this. We don't know what was said on the sideline to spark or to trigger Robbie Anderson. I know he alluded a lot to, respect of a man and and respecting him as a man Mm -hmm. so whether he was lied to or he might have been cursed out or whatever the case was we don't know and these men that i'm referring to as far as mike tomlins of the world greg popovich's and stuff like that they don't typically come off disrespectful as far as to their players and and stuff like that and the young men that they're leading but that um that it, it doesn't do anything but hurt whenever you're insubordinate to me um and it shows the the crevices and the cracks in in your system like one thing and i don't really want to bring him up like this but draymond (laughs) he it appears that he runs his own show and the coaches just tolerate it you know what i mean i absolutely get it i'm gonna show out and and scream on mike brown you know even though he's up in sacramento now or steve kerr and that's just draymond being draymond like no no if if everybody understands that we're all you know, the team is bigger than all of us. Right. Then it should be protocol and in, in, in order. And in every winning culture that you see, that's the case. The exclusion may be with the NBA and like your LeBrons of the world. But then even then, most of the teams that he won with were teams that he built. And so although he was, quote unquote, the head of the team, he had some level of respect for those individuals who he brought in around him. Definitely. And so I. I, I don't see anything wrong. I don't see nothing wrong with your argument, bro. We it's got to be a bigger team. So with all of that being said, I, I'll give you some 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 respect for your point last week. I know I was kind of being 
a bit dismissive because of the situation that led into it. But no, I definitely can see it how a, a cancer could be detrimental. Now, are we at a point where a blow up like that would have affected and or could affect winning or anything like no, because we're trash anyway, regardless. But nonetheless, I definitely see your point and respect it a little bit more. So let's go ahead and move forward with some scores. Now, this past week wasn't my best week. It wasn't my worst week, but it was a it was a week. So um to start off, what was your record for the week, bro? Uh ten and four. Mmm. Shot you know what? I'll give my dog some shots. You and uh, Mr. B. Easy both went ten and four uh, for the season. Now, after the ten and four this past week, B. Easy is thirty four and twenty six. Remembering that he came in a little bit later, what is your overall record for the season right now? Uh, it should be fifty eight, and should be like fifty eight and fifty. I'm gonna have to audit. I'm gonna have to audit mine because I think mine's maybe like two games off. Okay, and I'm your overall record. Right now, and as I'm looking at what it was last week, you were 48. So yeah, that 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 tracks. Now after going nine and five this week, that takes my record to 63 and 42. So what's up, man? Let's go. Let's go ahead and uh, pick some of these games that we got coming up this week. First up, well, let me move it so I can see B Easy's picks. Bing bong, and now we can go into it. Week 8 starts off with the Ravens visiting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers down in Tampa. Who you got? Ravens, Bucks. The Ravens. Okay. I actually am going to go Ravens also. And it looks like a clean sweep. Be easy. Selected the Ravens. Next up, we've got the Broncos going down to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. Excuse me. Going to London in a a 9.30 a.m. game. Broncos versus Jaguars. I'm going to just say I got the Jaguars, but it's one of those games where I got that funny feeling. I'm going to wake up Sunday morning and be like, what? How did they go 56-3? to Now, I I, I wholeheartedly agree. There's so much to this game. Jaguars seem like they are used to playing in London. And because of that exclusively, I'm going to give them the nod as well. And it looks like the three of us are locked in with that. BEZ also has the Jags. Although, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised for the Broncos to just kind of wake up and this be a game that they win. Next up, Dolphins at Lions. Mm, in Detroit. In Detroit, um, yes, sir. I like Miami skill players better than Detroit. So I'll go with uh, the Dolphins on this one. Man, rock chalk. I guess everybody's going, drawing a line. All three of us are going Dolphins in that one as well. I think with Tua playing like he has been, although um, St. Brown is back for the Lions and their offense may be rounding into shape a little bit, I think the Dolphins' uh, offensive skill players is just going to be a little bit too much, so I'm going Dolphins as well. Next up, Panthers in Atlanta taking on the Falcons. Panthers at Falcons, who you got? (laughs) Don't do it, bro. Don't do it. (laughs) Nah, I mean, I love picking against the Panthers, but I don't love the Falcons that much, so I'm going to go with the Panthers on this one. The fighting P.J. Walkers are going to just shock the world. I'm almost certain of it at this point. Um, although B Easy feels differently, he's got the Falcons. I'm going Panthers in Atlanta to, to take care of business. Cardinals at the Vikings. I think the Vikings continue their winning ways. Okay, so you and B Easy both got Vikings. Although my first thought is to say Vikings, 
I got an itching feeling that the cards are going to go and, and, and upset them. So, um, yeah, now nah, let's go with it. Cardinals over the Vikings. Next up, we've got Cowboys hosting the Bears. Dak versus Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like Dak in this one. Um, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Mm. So, Be Easy also has the Cowboys. I am going to go Bears in this one. I know what everything I just said about. No, I'm not. I'm going Cowboys. Let me shut up. Raiders. <laughs> Raiders at Saints. That should be a good one, especially with crab legs coming back. Yeah, being in New Orleans, um, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just, all right, I'll go on a limb and say the Saints on this one. The Raiders have let me down a couple of, couple of weeks this year, so I'm gonna say the Saints. Okay, I am actually gonna be, agree with you. I'm, I'm going Saints in this one. Fully expect for, um, what's your boy name, Chris Alave, to get off. For the tight end, multi-tool guy going off. I think the Saints are going to finally see what they were kind of wanting to see. The defense is going to get some breathers with the offense that's having sustained drive. I'm going Saints over the Raiders. Be easy actually picked the Raiders. Next up, Steelers at Eagles. We know which way be easy went, but where are you going in this one? Steelers at Eagles. Although I could see this interstate rivalry being a hiccup on the Eagles schedule. I will go. I got to stop hedging. I'm going to just go with the Eagles. Yeah, I'm going Eagles, especially coming off of a bye week. Watching, had an opportunity to watch the Steelers and watch Kenny Pickett. They're going to they're gonna give the, that rookie some fits. And uh, I'm, I'm going Eagles big in that one. Patriots hosting, excuse me, Patriots going up to New Rutherford to take on the Jets. Patriots at Jets, who you got? Great game right there. Um, Brees Hall is out. Brees Hall is out for the season, as is their starting uh, offensive guard on the left side. But they did just trade for the running back Robinson from Jacksonville. Jacksonville, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, with the Patriots, though. Mm, okay. I'm going Jets. Me and B-Easy both got the Jets in that one, so we'll see. Uh, see if they're able to bounce back after this loss on Monday night. The Titans going down to Houston to take on the Texans. I'm going to just say this. <laughs> uh, dang. That's a, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a tight one. Yeah. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Houston on this one, just going out on the limb, trying to trying to gain some ground. Okay. I am actually going to stick with the Titans. I don't see his pick on this one. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Huh. We'll have to get back to you and let you know where B-Easy was on that one. Next up, we've got Giants at Seahawks. Uh, look, it's tough to keep up a winning streak in the NFL. Absolutely. I say all of that to say traveling across the country is, is difficult, too. I'll go with the Seahawks on this one and go with the home team. Mm, okay. So you're going Giants. You, you said Seahawks. Be easy is going Giants. I think I agree with you. Um, this would be the week that the Giants slip and fall to the Seahawks at home. So I'm going Seahawks in that one as well. Next up, we've got Commanders versus the Colts in Indy. 
I'm going to go with Indianapolis on this one. This is one hard for me because, no, it's not. Taylor Heineke. Let's go to fighting Taylor Heineke. I'm going commanders as is be easy. We locked in. Now, in a game of what I think was going to be the game of the week, the 49ers going to L.A. to take on the Rams. Who you got in the Niners Rams? Um, this is Christian McCaffrey's first official week, I want to say. First full week, yep. Although he did get a couple of carries this past week. This is his first official week. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Niners. Okay. I'm going to lock in and say the same. Niners, three-way uh, on that one as well. Packers at the Bills. I'm going with Buffalo. Buffalo, easily. All three. Last up in the Monday Night Football game, the Cincinnati Bengals will be hosted by the Ch- Chicago, by the Cleveland Browns. Bengals and Browns, who you got in the Battle of Orange? Um, I'm going to take the Bengals in that one. Taking the Bengals as well, so as be easy. I think the Browns are achingly waiting on Deshaun Watson to be able to get back in there. He's already in the facility able to work out, but he's not yet on the practice team just yet, but he's coming soon. Y'all hold on. Browns going to win that one. Excuse me. Browns will lose that one and hope to try to stay in the playoff consideration. But that's going to do it for our pick em. Hopefully I can uh, separate myself a little bit more from you guys, man, because uh, I don't like how close y'all getting out here. I made some off-the-wall picks last week, but we're going to see how it is, man. But as we continue to move forward with Carolina Sports Talk, man, the NBA seems like they're in full swing, despite my Los Angeles Lakers not having gotten a memo, man. Um, what you say? Let's jump into some NBA talk, bro. Thanks for stealing my lead. But, yeah. <laughs> Did I just eight-mile you, man? <laughs> It'd be like that sometime, man. Let's go through these NBA scores. So, starting off early this evening, um, the Pelicans took care of the Mavericks, 113-111 in a close game. The Wizards over the Pistons, 120-99. And right now, the Thunder are beating the Clippers, 97-83 in the fourth quarter. The Warriors and Suns match just started up not too long ago. Going to Monday night's games, though, we had the 76ers beat the Pacers. 120 to 106. The Raptors over the Heat, 98 to 90. The Knicks over the Magic, 115 to 102. The Bulls beat the Celtics, 120 to 102. The Rockets over the Jazz, 114 to 108. The Grizzlies beat the Nets, 134 to 124. Spurs over Minnesota, 115 to 106. And uh, Damian Lillard led Trailblazers beat the Denver Nuggets. 135 to 110 um and just an important game to point out sunday night uh trailblazers uh over the los angeles the los angeles losers los angeles lakers uh 106 to 104 which snatched up a lot of the headlines on monday we'll talk about that here i did want to take the time and give Give a shout out to my Knicks. I know that I treat you guys bad like a um, adopted child or something <laughs> like that and always tell y'all to get, go in your room. You know, I'm not watching you. But I take a, took a look at the game yesterday against the Magic. Um, playing against Boncaro. Boncaro is going to be like that, of course. Um, but playing against Boncaro and Cole Anthony and stuff and just seeing how we competed. 
And one thing I was surprised by and did enjoy was our second unit is pretty deep. We've got depth on the bench, uh, whether we're talking Derrick Rose, talking Quigley, um, talking um, Obi Toppin, uh, Cam Reddish. We've got some depth on the bench. Um, Julius Randle looks in, looks like he's in the best shape of his career uh, physically. R.J. Barrett is out there looking to prove something. And Brunson looks like he has a pretty good steady hand at the wheel with leading this team. So shout out to the Knicks, man, and, and just kind of how they look on on um, screen when I was watching the game yesterday. Shout out to them, man. Listen, I'm going to give a shout out to the Knicks because I'm not shouting out the Lakers, bro. Like how you typically are with the Knicks, I'm all – it's like, yo, is basketball season still here? We, we, we hadn't – we hadn't got what's, what comes after basketball, yeah. uh, college basketball. We ain't gotten there yet. What's what's good? <laughs> I know. I was gonna say I wasn't the only one in the clouds this past weekend. Okay. The hey you. <laughs> had their heads in the clouds. Um, let's let, let's let's just all right because I, I it's gonna take a lot to get this information out of you. So let me just start on Sunday night. Two point loss. End of the game. In in Russ's um, words, own words, and in his uh, offensive mindset. He goes for a two for one with like about 30 seconds left when they're up, I believe. Mm-hmm. Up by one or something like that was up. Up by two um, at that point. Okay. Um, and a couple opportunities still were missed at the end of the game. LeBron shot, um, a couple other shots. But uh, just with the stat line of Russell Westbrook and Pat Beverly and these guys. Is that somebody that you want taking the shot? How frustrated were you with the loss? You know, talk to me. We haven't we haven't chatted in a while, bro. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to give me analyst, Big Cliff. Go ahead and talk to me, man. Like you know, you're not, like, not only am I not giving you analyst, Big Cliff, I'm not even giving you Big Cliff. I got to give a shout out to my dog, Be Easy, and and his Stefan A. Smith. Um, listen, both of y'all, yeah, both of y'all, both of y'all turned it up. Listen. Your mans should not have hands to shoot a basketball in the fourth quarter. Because I think, I think, so, all right, the words are good, but I think you need be easy here to kind of piggyback and set your your tone. Set the tone. It's not a little. little. Yeah, it it was higher than it needs to be. It was, you were right with the squeakiness, but it's like a a more monotone squeaky and not not so high pitched. Happy birthday to him. I don't care. Yeah, you know. But go ahead. So he he shouldn't have hands to shoot a basketball in the fourth quarter. Like you listen to a lot of Jay Farrow. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) That's where you. That's where you get. So I'm doing the Jay Farrow. I'm doing an impression of Jay Farrow. Doing an impression of Stephen A. Smith. Listen, at the at the end of it all, the impression is uh, Russell Westbrook is doing an impression of a basketball player, a guy who used to be great. That's what's going on at this point. He is trash. He is garbage. He needs to not be a Los Angeles Laker. I don't know if bro is like intentionally being this, this bad or if he's just like lost it or if he's just not happy. Like he's really like the guy who comes and when he comes in the classroom everybody be like watch him over here I wish he wouldn't hey man you can't sit by us man and he'd be like I won't sit by y'all no way it's like that's who he is for the whole class and stuff like that exactly just uncomfortable and then like one or two people from the in the group would be like checking on him after yo man you okay yeah man why you ain't defending me when we was out there with the rest of them nah man just if you just chill and like 
not be breaking everything and not be laying up, man. Them boys are actually like you. You just got to chill, man. Be like how you used to be. No, man, I'm going to be the new me, man. I don't care what they That's literally what's going on. That coupled with the fact that we have zero shooters. I mean, let me rephrase that. We have negative six shooters on our squad right now. The fact that LeBron is doing what he can. Even I got to give it even a shout out to Mr. Glass, Anthony Davis. You talked about the game on Sunday. He played 36 minutes, uh, 10 rebounds, three assists, and 22, 22 points. So he had a double double making attempts, doing what he could, slung a couple of threes. We have no supporting cast. And I understand that when you pay as much money as you do to LeBron, Anthony, and Russell, that it's it's just going to be there. They brought in individuals like Juan Toscano-Anderson expecting he was going to be a contributor, four points. Austin Reeves looks like a shell of himself having played 19 minutes, seven points. We are a bad team as currently constructed. Point blank, period. There is no hope. There is, I don't even like see one of these. And I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying this, but I'm giving it up. Like, time out in the days of, uh, what you call it? Uh, <laughs> enthusiastic or hypothetical. Uh, 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 what's the, when, when the glass? Optimistic. Optimistic. That's the word. That is the, see, welcome. Welcome back, High Star. That was supposed to be the applause. But nonetheless optimistic cliff is out the window bro like i'm so sick of seeing trash performances by my team we'll talk about it in a moment with the loss with the teams with a a plural of all inclusivity with the yankees being swept with the lakers being trash with the panthers coming out here and trading the cupboard and deciding hey y'all let's go win no sit down i'm I'm about to it's about to change from carolina sports talk to carolina i don't want to talk about sports talk bro um, that point with the with the Lakers, the Panthers, and the Yankees. <laughs> Double entendre. Don't ask him how. I don't want to talk about sports talk. I like that. You but, hear me? Nah, the, the funny thing, the thing is, some things get so funny that they're not funny anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just sad. Um, I will say, while we're here on the NBA talk real quick, the three teams that I expect not to dominate, but at least to compete and perform consistently throughout this season is the LA Lakers, the Brooklyn Nets and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now with Brooklyn and LA, both with Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook, like, cause there was a meme going around Ben Simmons. Uh, they were community service or something. <laughs> and he shot the left hand air ball. <laughs> yes. Um, I think about because I'm a hooper at nature, you know. Some people you love football first and stuff like that. I've mm-hmm. always loved basketball first. And just as a hooper, first of all, shoot is shoot. But you think about that level, the high pro level, getting paid millions of dollars. Bruh, my shot be more online. I'm not saying that I hit everything, but it looks but better. Mine's, yeah, it's online <laughs> at least. Like I don't know what's going on. Like like these clanks, and then and with Russ, the clanks have been happening since last season. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine the frustration that a LeBron is going through, or that like a side eye that AD is giving and stuff like that on the sideline or whatever. Uh, because this has been happening all last year. First, it started in the preseason. They're like, nah, look, we'll we'll brush it's the that preseason, off. It's the preseason, right? Yeah, don't worry about it. Gets it to the regular season, and it's just oh, we gotta grow. <laughs> oh, we gotta meld together. <laughs> One of his favorite signature turnovers this year, especially, is truly careless and avoidable. But the stepping out of bounds on the sideline, 
Like he'll be, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be right there at the three pointer on the sideline. Not being aware side. of where you are. Exactly. And your he his heel seems to touch that sideline. And he's done that what four or five times at this point? This season. You know, it's a it's a habitual thing. Um, so yeah, I, you know, along with the Sixers, I, I want to see these teams come to form and, and see what what could happen. But you see the difference to me in a Minnesota Timberwolves team and a Memphis Grizzlies team. Memphis went into Brooklyn, took care of business. Ja looks like Ja. Mm-hmm. The, the rest of the supporting cast is there. Like they didn't miss a beat from the playoffs. And then Minnesota, is, they're kind of trying to find themselves. Um, I, I keep hinting and teasing at Minnesota, but I did want to bring this up. Because um, Carl Anthony Towns, he, he in the press conference yesterday, he brought up Anthony Edwards' diet and the fact, you know, reporters, y'all laugh at it when he say that he eating. Anthony Edwards is pretty much on his um, Chad Ochoncinco stuff whenever it comes to food. You know what I mean? Right. So if he's talking mm-hmm. about eating McDonald's or Popeye's or something like that, he's like to the um, to the reporters, Carl Anthony Towns is like, you know, that's that's all entertaining and stuff for y'all. But we're, we're high level athletes and. I want to uh, make sure that my dog is good. Like, really, just, he, the thing is, he bought him out. Now, one of the un, unwritten rules of, of a locker room or a sports team, you know. In, you don't call your people out public, in the public. In, exactly. And a point was made that maybe he's trying to, uh, kind of how that Russell Westbrook, Pat Beverly dynamic is. Because truly on the Lakers, we know that LeBron is the leader. But, you know, the, the guys that try to, to take that leadership role on the court and stuff like that. I think Carl Anthony Towns doesn't want to give that up to Anthony Edwards because he may be forecasting a big season from Anthony Edwards, just kind of how easy the game comes to him. Right. He might be seeing that Anthony Edwards is going to be the next face of the franchise out there. Yeah, I, I definitely see some of that. And and it's crazy how, going back to what we talked about, the big eye and the, and the little team, how some of these guys really – want what they want and that's it it's not about the team it's about them getting their money getting their stats and uh that's it it's crazy to me like i ain't never been a cat fan and i know we've talked about it a little bit here on 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 air but i'm not a fan in in him as a player the dude just seems real jokey to me so it it seems like it's on par for the course with him Um, pay attention to his uh to his press conferences this year i think if I think he'll always give you a quotable or a, a reason to go, this guy. Here, this cause guy. You're, you're, <laughs> yeah, because you're how you feel about him, your disposition towards him, and the coupled with the fact that he's taking everything that Kevin Garnett and mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. instilled in him, and now he's trying to be, you know what I'm saying? He's trying to be no nonsense, and right. I we you know he knows what it takes to go deep in the playoffs and stuff like that. So he's trying to turn that corner but like you said it you are who you are like you're not fooling nobody at all bro like every time he talks all i hear is remember they were notorious they were kind of notorious for kickstarting off the uh um the heckling of of russ as far as players go last year oh definitely the, and they, being childish with the like little bro waving off of yeah stuff. like sit down bro even though, like, your old lady on Instagram doing her thing and all that. Um, shout out to Jordan Woods. But you, you sir, nah. You, mm, you get no love for me. Now, <laughs> talking about getting no love, there was a play that uh, just was synonymous in, in everything that was Lakers this year. Did you see when Pat Bev was trying to give the lob to, um, was it Lonnie? 
it was somebody who was like, yo, y'all tell Pat Bev that ain't LeBron out there. Basically, on a, <laughs> on a fast break, he goes to give the lob up and, and it's like throws it high above the rim. It's like, yo, bro, like, like relax. Bro. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Know, know the players. Know, know who you got on the floor right now, man. Like, that, it, it just seems so, oh. But seems nonetheless. Like a long way to go. It's going to be a long season. The thing is, it, it, it's like every season starts like that because it seems like they try to discover in the offseason Oh, this is the solution. Oh, this is how we're going to resolve this until it plays out. And then everybody's like, well, let's let's let this play out. It's like, nah. And I can't even say it's a Lakers thing. It's a LeBron James thing that every year they try to reinvent the wheel on what LeBron needs and a team that consists of a LeBron James, what that needs to look like. We've seen the winning championship four times over. We've seen the winning formula four different times in three different cities. It shouldn't come as a surprise, and as such, they need to not try to make it make it more difficult. Let LeBron be the facilitator, have an athletic big, have some dynamic wings and some shooters, and LeBron James is going to win you a championship. I'm, my, my only worry at this point as a Lakers fan is that this is his farewell tour, and I think you and I may have talked about it. This season will be spent with us being as woeful as possible, while he breaks Kareem's record in the purple and gold, looking to next year or the year after, whenever Bronny is able to come into the to the league, and and I, and I don't want that as a Lakers fan. Our franchise should not be minimized to that after you know, after the legacy that we have. So, LeBron, man, figure something out, man. Do something, but got got go ahead on and bust a move now. Now we understand that the the NBA season is like a thousand games long, so you know. Like you said, it's it's still very, very, very early. But uh, one of the things that we did last week that you did not get a chance to that I'm literally going to put you on the spot with right now is our 2022-23 season, early season uh, awards, anticipating the awards. Now, I won't make you go through all of like the rookie of the year, comeback player of the year and all of that, um, unless you want to drop in and we can go to on the social. But who do you have coming out of the East, out of the West, winning the finals, and as your MVP for the regular season. We'll start with the regular season MVP. Who do you anticipate being the MVP of the league for the 2022-23 season? Uh, boom, 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 boom. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure I got that somewhere. Right I'm going to just go with... I'm gonna go with, uh, and I definitely put you on the spot, so, you, so I, I I get it, I get you. Yeah, I'll shock the world. I'll just go with Ja. Mm, okay, I like that. Um, the Warriors are still coming out of the West. Okay, and they'll be playing against Milwaukee. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. And who you have coming out of that finals? Warriors, Bucks. The Warriors. Okay. The Warriors. All right. Book it. We'll, we'll check, take a look back at that, and we maybe can reflect around the All-Star break and see how those picks by myself, yourself, and Be Easy are faring at that point. So as we move forward a little bit, we'll, let's talk about a little HBCU football. And we appreciate you guys joining us. This is Carolina Sports Talk. You're rocking with your man, Big Cliff, DJ High Star. 
Man, HBCU football. South Carolina State's homecoming. We talked about it earlier. It's been homecoming season. State had a, 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 a nice little game out there, man, where they were able to take and win against Central. Final score, 26-24. They outlasted the Central Eagles, who were in a commanding three-game, uh, three no, excuse me, two-game lead in the MEAC. But, man, just like that, after a rough start, the Bulldogs are back in, in the lead in the MEAC and position man if they win all the rest of their games looks like it's gonna be another jackson state south carolina state uh national hbcu championship man that's crazy i mean definitely with the way that these other teams have been performing or whatnot uh, um i did see the fanfare and everything like that from homecoming i'm glad that state is was able to kind of bounce back from the early rough start that they've had this season uh but yeah that's that'll be crazy if they if they end up seeing Jackson State again, yeah, definitely. Now I don't think <laughs> no, no, no shade to South Carolina State University, fighting Bulldogs. Look, some of my goodest friends are Bulldogs, but no, I don't think that they're going to have the same type of outcome that they had last year if they play Jackson State again this year. Just put that out there. But nonetheless, they are playing some some better football. Um, the defense has been stepping up, including that big stand at the in the fourth quarter to take down Central, as I mentioned. But uh, they're rounding into shape when they're supposed to, and they're winning the games that they are supposed to win. So it's definitely going to be interesting to kind of watch them the, the, the remainder of the season. The remainder of the season to be able to watch the South Carolina State Bulldogs to see what they're going to do. Now, I mentioned the other side of the previous national championship with the Jackson's, Jackson State Tigers. They steamrolling and running on through improving their record to 7-0 as they handled Campbell University 22-14 this year. Now, BZ and I talked about the 60 Minutes interview with uh, Prime. Did you get a chance to check that out? Yeah, I saw that. Um, okay. I saw that interview. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, the thoughts of the foundation that he's laying there with Jackson State and all that good stuff as well? I mean, it's been said time and time before, but, you know, it's just the right man for the right job at the right time. Um, he's just a resurgence in, in black college football. And, like, teams like Alabama State, you alluded to um, the other week, their recruiting is going to get better. Everybody mm -hmm. in the SWAC's recruiting is going to get better because athletes have that you have that angle as a coach to tell an athlete, well, we're going to play these guys every exactly. year or whatever like that. Um, you know, how would you like to have that um, on your jacket that you beat Deion Sanders coach Jackson state Tigers? So um, yeah, I think he's just, he's, he's elevated the cachet of all of the teams, um, you know, around him as far as in the swag and just in, in HBCU football in general. Um, was this, this, this wasn't the same interview where he was telling the guy to talk like he was talking or whatever like that. Did you see that? No. Uh -uh. Oh, he's like, uh, it's just a funny audio clip, but he's pretty much telling the guy, um, who was doing what we know as code switching, if <laughs> you will. He was like, uh, <laughs> Oh, you wasn't talking like that a few seconds ago. Like, oh, nah, camera. talk how you talking. Like, was, yeah, you saw that? Nah, but I could just hear Prime doing it, bro. That's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Calling somebody out. <laughs> exactly. But nah, that's that's pretty much what I got from the interview. Yeah, so I, 
I like it. Um, I'm slowly starting to turn around to it. Um, I did not want to give him as much credit as I think he probably deserved early on. And for that, my bad, Prime. Shout out to you. But coaching makes a difference. Leadership and culture make a difference. That is none such true as it is with the case of the Benedict College Tigers, who are now uh, 8-0 and after a 35 to nothing drumming of Morehouse College on their homecoming in Atlanta. Ah, oh, man, it's so sweet to hear. But now they they, they did so with uh, dynamic performance on all three aspects of the of the field, from offense, defense, having a 90-yard uh, kickoff return but by uh, one of the, the, actually the SIC player of the week. It's just amazing football being played by the Tigers. And in such, we actually had the opportunity to have uh, an interview with Coach Chinnis Berry, the head coach of the Benedict Tigers. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into that now. Well, next up, folks, we've got a very special interview. We have the head coach of Benedict College Football, the number 15 team in the country, Coach Chinnis Berry. Coach, how are you doing today? Oh, bless and highly favor, man. Thank you for having me today. Man, we're excited to have you here on Carolina Sports Talk, but we want to jump straight into it, man. First of all, I want to congratulate you guys on a big uh, 35 to nothing win against Morehouse, man. Uh, how, how's it feel coming back after a win like that? Feels good, man. Guys, guys, proud of our coaches, our, our players. You know, guys really were locked in. Uh, they knew we were going there for a business trip, man. You know, a lot of times people get caught up in the homecoming deal. We just we just take our 58 players and our support staff, man, and we go and take care of business, man. So our mission every week is to be 1-0. So I'm excited and proud of our football team for, for accomplishing that mission. Now, I've, I've heard you mention that consistently, and it's definitely ingrained in the culture with you guys and with the players. Now, if someone had told you that at the beginning of the season that you would be heading into homecoming, ranked number 15 in the country, 8-0 and overall, 6-0 and in the conference play, what do you think you would have said to them at that point? Well, trust God. You know, if one sky's on your side, anything can happen, man. And I really believe that. I mean, we've done a great job. You know, faith without works is dead. And and, and ultimately, at the end of the day, as, as a program, we've been really, really recruiting. And we've been really, really building our foundation, our program with discipline. And it all start with discipline first. And uh, you got to go get the right players to be able to fit your program. And I think we've done a really, really good job of doing that. And you know, once it was all said and done, as the season started, obviously, obviously you're going to, you know, just kind of be optimistic on, you know, how the season's going to go, and you're just going to take one game at a time. But I think what really brought us together was this summer. You know, young men uh, took took time this summer to be able to stay this summer and work out. I mean, we had like 60 guys here this summer training. Wow. And that's how you build programs. You know, it's not – we're not trying to build a good football team. We're trying to build a program that can sustain year in and year out. So, you know, by keeping about 60 guys here this summer, lifting weights, you know, getting a chance to get a meal plan, get something to eat, you know, that really, really helps. And then, you know, when we came into training camp, we decided we are going to read a, a book as a team. And uh, throughout training camp, we read a book called Chop Wood, Carry Water. And what the book focused on was just falling in love with the process of becoming great, surrender the outcome. You know, don't worry about the end goal. Let's just be the best we can be every day. And we we just really bought into that. So we stopped saying, let's have a great season. Let's just have a great day. And let's have a great practice. And let's have a great weight room session. Let's have a great meeting. And then we just started putting that together. And that's how we came up with just our one and no philosophy. Let's just try to be the best we can be today. And at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, when the season's over, then we can reflect and see what our overall record was. But we just want to be the best we can be each and every day and go one and no. 
Absolutely. And, and it's evident in, in the product that's on the field. Uh, I love what you said about building the program. I, I've had the opportunity and the privilege to, to be there in the booth with you guys all season. And, and, and it's definitely a product. It's, it's, it's a, a buzz that's very special. It doesn't look like, like you said, a good team. It looks like the program is getting some establishment that this is something that seems sustainable. Now, as you guys moving forward, like if you let's, let's take a look at the game that you just kind of took care of business there and Morehouse that you mentioned. When leading those fundamentals, how do you lean more heavily on them, knowing, like you said, that it is a homecoming and that the team is maybe not of some of the competition that you faced with them being 0-7 heading into that game? How do you keep the guys focused and locked in on just doing their job and, and, and imparting some of those principles from chop wood, carry water? Well, stay humble and hungry. You know, we don't, we don't really look at records. You know, ultimately, at the end of the day, when we play the opponent, we just look at the individuals in front of us. We, we study the film on the opponents we get ready to face. And we knew that that was a capable football team, you know, because they, you know, they, they beat us for our homecoming last year, as a matter of fact. <laughs> but I know Coach Freeman has been in the SIC for about 15 years. He's a veteran coach, so he knows what he's doing. And, uh, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, he's got to get his players playing at a high level. And, you know, so we don't focus really on the record of opponents. I always tell our young man, any given day, just like David and Goliath, any given day you can get beat. So you got to come with your A game. So we just really, honestly, man, we just focus on the opponent we're getting ready to play. And let's see if we can win all three phases of the game. We focus on four things every game. We try to win the effort battle. That's that's nothing to do with talent. We have to win the effort battle when the game's over. That's between you and you giving 100% effort every play. We try to win the penalty battle. So when it's all said and done, have them have more penalties than us. We try to win the turnover battle. If they're turning over the ball four or five times, we can't turn it over at all. And then we try to win the explosive play battle. So we want to have explosive plays on offense, and we want to eliminate explosive plays on defense. And I think if we can do that, we, we like our chances in the end. Absolutely. And this week, you, you guys definitely executed all of those things, having a balanced and effective offensive tack, including 80 percent in the red zone. You got a 90 yard kickoff return from Mr. Grice out there who was named the SIAC special teams player of the week. And even your defense pitching a shutout and only allowing 140 total yards. Man, coach, it's, 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 it looks like a good type of outing. And I'm definitely excited to see what you guys are going to do this upcoming weekend with homecoming. Now, as we move forward and look into homecoming, one of the keys that I've kind of been impressed with throughout the season is a unit that calls themselves the fist. They're five with uh, five interchangeable parts, but when you come together, they make that fist. Tell me a little bit about your offensive line and how they've grown through the season. Well, ultimately, at the end of the day, any program, from Little League football to the National Football League, you better have a good offensive line, all right? Because, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, a lot of us, our teams, we, we have similar skill guys, quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, you know, things of that nature, tight ends. But the offensive line is the glue that makes it go. And, uh, you know, in this program, we're talking about building it from the inside out. So when we're recruiting, we, we recruit offensive linemen and defensive linemen first and quarterbacks because we feel like that's how you build your team. You got to have good quarterbacks, and I think we have that. We got to have good offensive linemen. I think we have that. We got to have good defensive linemen. And I think if you can do that, you can build programs that can not just win one year. You can win year in and year out. And in our recruiting process, we'll, we'll get – a couple of little skill guys. We'll we'll get those guys because I mean they come a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna really dig in deep 
dig real deep about offensive linemen and defensive linemen. In terms of our fists, you know, those guys have really been growing together. You know, ultimately it takes time for that group to jail because there are, a lot of those guys are new. Right. You know, those, those guys, some of those guys just got here. I think we only have one returning starter from last year, and that's Mitch Romick, our center. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rest of those guys are new, so you got you to spend time with each other, you know, not just on the field but off the field as well. And those guys are still hadn't played their best football yet. I'm going to be honest with you. They're getting better day in and day out, but they give us a chance to win football games because, you know, if they're blocking and then we have Thunder and Lightning back there with uh, uh, Zaire Scotland and DeAndre Duhart, man, I think that's a hard tandem to stop once they rocking and rolling. And then with our two quarterbacks, they play at a high level as well. You know, once those guys give them time to be able to do their thing, we give ourselves a chance to win football games. Absolutely. And like you said, you guys have got balance all across there. And you mentioned your two quarterbacks, John Lampley and then Eric Phoenix. I've heard an old adage, and we've all heard it said before, if you've got two quarterbacks, you've got none. How have you managed the ego of both of those young men who look hungry each time they both step on the field, and even when one does something good, you see the other celebrating them on the sideline? How have you managed their the egos that is such uh, expected with some quarterbacks often? You know, we, we tell them big team little me, man. You know, these are two capable quarterbacks that can start anywhere in our league. I mean, you really look in our league, they can be the starters of any team that, um, that we played against this year. They're, they're, they're really good quarterbacks. And, you know, I know, you know, Eric Phoenix is a really good talent. He's a dual threat that can run and throw. And uh, But, you know, last year when Eric Phoenix went down after the Kentucky State game, I mean, we went, we went down real fast because we didn't have a quality backup. And, uh, you know, I tell you what, man, when I had a prior relationship with John Lampley, of course, he was my quarterback at Southern University. So obviously he had one more year to play. He wanted to get in grad school to get his MBA. So I felt like it could be a win-win situation because I know the personality of John Lampley. He's not one of those kind of guys that's about me. He's about the team. And if it was the wrong kind of personality and not the right fit, we wouldn't have bought John Lampley in here. But I'll tell you what, a lot of people make that old adage saying, but I'll tell you what, a lot of people love to be in a situation we're in. And uh, <laughs> that's NFL as well because sometimes in the NFL, man, you go from a really good quarterback to a really, really bad quarterback really, really fast. So, you know, we're, we're fortunate to have what we have here. And it's worked for us. So we, we, don't, we don't take it lightly. Right now we're sitting in a good position. We're being 1-0 every week, man, and I, I love the situation that we're in. Absolutely. And this is Carolina Sports Talking Man, Big Cliff, sitting in with Coach Barry from the Benedict College Football Tigers, number 15 team in the country. Coach, I'm going to let you go in just a few in a moment. But before we do, I want to let you want to ask, moving ahead, Clark Atlanta homecoming this week. What are going to be some of the keys to the game for you guys to come out victorious during that homecoming game, knowing that Clark's riding a two game win streak? Well, they actually just lost one. They, they oh, lost okay. this past week versus Fort Valley. They lost 41-21, but prior to that, they lost uh, two in a row. But I'm going to be honest with you, man. I, 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 if you walked in our team meeting room right now, the biggest sign that you're going to see on the wall is just what I said earlier. Win the effort battle, win the penalty battle, win the turnover battle, win the explosive battle. That's, how, that's our motto every week. We feel like if we can do that, we give ourselves a chance to win the game. And uh, a lot of times you watch the game of football, you got to give great effort. Effort has nothing to do with talent. When the play uh, kicks off or whatever happens, the play starts, a football play lasts about six to seven seconds. You got to give me all you got for six to seven seconds. And then we can continue to put that together all game. We like our chances. Clark Atlanta, I respect that team. Why? Because Coach Slater's been in this league for a long time. He was at Tuskegee for a long time. This is his first year at uh, Clark Atlanta. Man, he'll have his team ready to go. 
and, they, and they're very capable. I mean, we've been watching them on film. Their offense can score. Their defense can stop some people. And their special teams make plays. So, like I say, any given day. So we respect all opponents, but we fear none. And uh, we'll have our team ready to go. They'll be excited. They'll be ready to rock and roll. They'll be fired up, you know, but they got to make sure they stay focused because the biggest thing about, you know, when you have homecomings, you got to make sure your team's locked and loaded because there's so many distractions mm-hmm. to go on outside, you know, things that are out of our control. So we want to make sure our young men are focused and locked into the task at hand, and that's to be 1-0 once the game is over. Coach, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. We're looking forward to those guys going 1-0 and this weekend against Clark Atlanta at homecoming. Any message you want to give out to the fans that will be joining us uh, this weekend? Listen, man, more than anything, I want to see the jungle packed. I mean, why not? You know, why not put 11,000 screaming fans in Charlie Johnson Stadium? You know, we have a we have a great product to be able to sell. Alumni is coming back from all over the country, all over the world, to be able to watch Benedict College Tigers. Don't sit out there in the tailgates, okay? It's okay to be out there, but we want you in the stadium. Purchase a ticket. Come on support Benedict College football and Benedict College in general. And let's go uh, watch our young men put on the show, man. So they're super excited. They they feel really, really good about this week. We know what's at stake. If we win, we know some good things are going to happen, but we just got to be the best we can be on that day. And just we appreciate all the support for all the Benedict alumni, all the fans, all the supporters. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we want you in the stadium and we want to pack the jungle. You hear it here, folks. You heard it here first, folks. Coach wants you in the jungle. We look forward to seeing you. Coach, congratulations again on the big win this past week, and good luck on 1-0 this weekend. We thank you. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, man. God bless you. Take care. Go Tigers. Yes, sir. Man, we want to thank Coach Chanis Barry once again. Brother Barry, uh, member of the Omega South Fraternity Incorporated. Uh, man, Coach talked about a, a lot of different things, uh, High Star. I think one of the things that stood out to me the most in that is just the, the, the level of believance that, or the trust that he has in the team that each week we're going to be focused enough to go 1-0. and oh. And I think the guys have really bought in. It's evident on the field, like I said, by their output and, and just the way that they go and, and play for one another. One of the things I loved when uh, kind of looking into the team, getting ready for that interview, was, as I mentioned, that, that fist, the five individual players that come together as one. That offensive line, they mean that. Those guys are seen around campus always together. They're seen out going out on camp, uh, off campus to eat together. You, you see one, you see another. And, and for a young group with as many transfers as they have, it's definitely how they've gelled. And for him to say that they've not yet played their best football is a scary thing. Now, one of the things I didn't get a chance to talk to him about was the scenario. If they win this weekend, then they will be able to host the conference championship as the East representatives. And then uh, depending upon how the region two rankings come out, they could very easily find themselves with a first round bye in the NCAA division two playoffs. And so I'm excited, man, this weekend is homecoming. You guys heard coach talk about wanting to see the fans. So if any of you guys are out in the Columbia area this weekend, come on out to Charlie W. Johnson stadium in Columbia off a of two notch road and come check out the Benedict tigers in their homecoming game. They will be taking on Clark Atlanta. Um, it's going to be a good game. You're going to get some good football on the field. You'll get some amazing bands. So come on, pull up to homecoming, man. It's one of the few times that I'm going to shout out a, Another HBCU like that, like I like I am, and, and kind of ride for them as hard as I am. But they deserve to have that stadium packed out. So if again, if you're in the Midlands area, come on out to Charlie W. Johnson Stadium this Saturday, October the 29th, and be a part of the festivities for homecoming at Benedict College. High Star Man, um, 
before we no, we I'm talking about before we get out of here. We still got a whole nother segment, man. Um, anything you want to add with the Benedict football, bro? Nah, I mean, shout out to them, definitely. Uh I love the mentality. Um, you know, just in life in general, I try to win the morning so that I could win the next part of the day, so I could win the next part of the day. Mm-hmm. And it's a you know, great way to look at it as far as every week looking to go one and oh or whatnot. So shout out to them. I definitely look forward to being down there this weekend and hanging out. Turn up. Now I, I, I'm not going to say, but I, I fully was expecting uh, a, <laughs> a, a reference to uh, coach Doc Rivers and how much he sounds. Uh, coach Barry sounds like him a little bit, but let's go ahead and move on. You know what time it is. It's time for big deal. No thing. That's a big deal. Nah, that ain't no thing. Segment where we give you headlines in sports and let you know whether it's a big deal or no thing. The first one I don't even really want to talk about, but it's down there, so let's go ahead and talk about it. The New York Yankees swept in the playoffs, and yeah, big deal or no thing. The championship series. I, when I say very... <laughs> would you, let's go ahead and let High Star tell you about it, because I don't even want to talk about it. I'm that bitter. That's the gist of it, but I'm, I'm going to go with no thing. Nah, that ain't no thing. Nah, that ain't no thing. Why you say no thing, bro? Um, we've been doing a little bit of the same since two thousand nine. So good, and also we didn't have any pitching mm-hmm. or whatnot. So um, I'm not really uh taking this loss too much to heart. Uh, you know, I hope that we can keep the team together as as best we can, and then add some pitching. But yeah, we didn't. We didn't. There was no way that we could stop anybody else's bats, regardless of the offense that we put up. I say it's no thing for very much the same reason. As much as I wanted to with my heart believe that this was our year and all through the year, baseball season is just so long. But nonetheless, um, Justin Verlanger, Verlanger, Verlander, um, Jose Altuve, like the Astros got future Hall of Famers, man. And so I'm going to give them the respect that they are a good team Um, at this point. I do hope that they win uh, because I don't want to see Philly win anything because Philly fans are obnoxious. But um, it's not a thing because, like you said, next year, if we can get some pitching, and honestly, Cashman, we appreciate you, man. We'll holler at you. We need a new GM GM to kind of push us forward and propel us into where we need to be. So for me, not a thing. I definitely am looking forward to seeing um, what happens, to finally seeing how much money they are going to pay Judge because, ooh, 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 ooh. He ain't going to be able to back up the uh, Brinks truck. He could be able to buy Brinks at this point <laughs> with the the salary and the contract that he is going to sign. So next up, DJU, I'm not going to butcher his name. The Clemson quarterback was benched in their 27 to 21 come from behind win versus Syracuse. Big deal. No thing. A big deal. That's a big deal. I agree. That's a big deal. Why you say? Um, just uh, calling back or alluding back to uh, earlier episode this football season, but you know they got the firepower ready to come in and and take over for your boy. Um, the fact that they ended up winning, coming from behind and winning, is even makes it a bigger deal. Um, as well, so the kids really got to worry about his job at this point. Absolutely, the, people been wanting Cade Klubinik for a long time, and I say it's a big deal because. DJ's not showing himself to be who we, we thought he was going to be. He, he wasn't the heir apparent. 
that so many prescribed and or um, anticipated him to be there in Clemson. But I really feel like Clay, Cade Klubinick can be. He's got great vision. He's got an arm that is ooh, ooh, wide open. Now, if he can get a lot more reps in practice and have the opportunity to get some of those freshman jitters out and, and, and to be able to just see a bit more throughout the defense, I, I would have him playing against Clemson's first string defense every practice until he got settled and say, yo, DJ, we appreciate what you've done, bro. Uh, go and grab that bench real quick, though. Appreciate it. Get the clipboard and some headsets. But ultimately, I, I think that Sweeney's going to go back to DJ. He's shown to be loyal to him for whatever reason, but I think it very well could end up coming to hurt them and bite them in the back um, in the back end of this thing. So that's why I say it's a big deal. Last up on Big Deal No Thing, the Phillies versus the Astros in the World Series. Big deal or no thing? No thing. Mm, nah, that ain't no thing. Nah, that ain't no thing. Why you say? Because uh, the Yankees are not in the World Series, so that's the simplest answer I can give. And it's literally mine verbatim. Um, I, as I mentioned, I, I don't want the Phillies to win because I don't like nothing out of there. But, um, yeah, who you got? Let's let's get a pick them real quick. Phillies or Astros? I got one office. My job's got one office up there in Pennsylvania. It's in Malvern, maybe like 15 minutes outside of Philly. So they're going crazy in that office. But I'm gonna go with the. I'm gonna go with the Astros. Yeah, they they they're hungry. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. They want to prove that the ones that they won with everybody was saying that they're cheating because they cheated. Um, that they still have the talent to do so. And so this is their fourth now in six years. Um, I think they'll pull this one out too. So shout out to the Astros, your 2022 World Series champs. Not the league, the Lakers, not the Yankees though. All right, bro. Now that's going to wrap it up for us on this week's episode, man. Anything you want to holler to people before we get out of here? Um, You can't, you, you, in life, you can't use beef stew as a, as a password because it's not strong enough. While he hides his laugh. I'm not even going to lie. I'm here all night. <laughs> Bro, I'm not even going to lie. Yes, I was laughing because I, I don't know where you be coming or going with these things, bro. But shout out to my dog. Welcome back, High Star. We missed you, bro. Yeah, man. It's not strong enough. It's not strong enough. That's literally the name of the episode, too. Shout out to my dog. As always, thank you for tuning in on your favorite podcast app. Next time, tell your smart speaker, play Carolina Sports Talk. You can hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at Carolina Sports Talk or to be a part of the show, email us at cliff at carolinasportstalk.net. Lastly, you can be a part of all of the fun and activities and conversation and trash talking going on in the Facebook group. Carolina Sports Talk talks back. Until next week, peace.